Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everyone, happy Friday and happy February. Uh, it's Jay here in the marketing department at Ripstop by the Roll. And I'm Avery, the social media manager. We are kicking off the weekend with a big time episode. We're talking with an industry leading company today. Yeah, we're actually really excited about this one because we will be talking to the head of technical fabrics, Taylor North from Dimension Polyant. And for those of you who don't know, they make some pretty sweet fabrics um, like light skin and X-Pac. Yeah, we've really done our research for this episode. We've compiled user questions that you guys sent us, as well as uh, some questions that we've had on our own while we've been working on XPAC for our own personal projects. Yeah, and before we get going, we do have one very exciting announcement. We will be giving away free XPAC. So head on over to our Instagram at Ripstop by the Roll and check that out for all the details to see how you can win um, some free XPAC. That's right. She said it. Free fabric. So go check it out unless you're driving. All right, let's get to the episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, today we have kind of a big deal on our show. We're talking with one of the bigger uh, fabrics or one of the makers, one of the bigger fabrics that we sell. Uh, today we're talking with Taylor from Dimension Poly. And Taylor, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, chat with you guys. No doubt. So tell us a little bit more about how you ended up at Dimension Polyant. Who is Taylor? What's your background? How'd you get here? Sure. So, so my background, I'm, I'm from Connecticut originally, and that's where uh, kind of by happenstance Dimension Polyant is. But my background, uh, I grew up around the water on boats, uh, power boats and sailboats. And um, when I was kind of in high school, I decided that I wanted to do, do something in the marine industry um, <clears throat> and decided to go to college to to do something to get a degree that I could could utilize in in the marine industry. So I went to um, engineering school. I got my degree in mechanical engineering, <clears throat> and then after that, that was um, 2011. So kind of the midst of the the Great Recession, I uh, started at uh, North Sales, which is the largest sail maker in the world um, in Milford, Connecticut. And I was working on primarily hardware development. Um, other kind of manufacturing engineering type projects there. I was there for five years. And then the opportunity to mention Polyant came up to work um, on the technical fabric side of the Dimension Polyant business. And Dimension Polyant is, is the leader in sailcloth uh, production for, for the world. We sell rolled goods sailcloth to sailmakers uh, all, all over the world, probably every single sailmaker we sell uh, fabric to. Um, but we also have uh, other uh, industrial technical fabrics. And that's where I was brought on board to, to help on the technical sales side of uh, technical fabrics for Dimension Polyam. Gotcha. So uh, we did some research and uh, I noticed just as a, a fellow New Englander that you also went yeah, to school in Massachusetts, a, a great place to be, but also a fellow New Englander. Yeah. Yep. I went to school to Worcester Polytech in Worcester, Mass. <clears throat> um, and now work about a half hour away from Worcester. Um, that's where, where uh, Dimension Polyan is in, in Putnam. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I like New England, but um, yeah, yeah, it's good. 
That's great. Is that where um, the main location for Dimension Poly is based? Are there multiple locations? Uh, there, there's two kind of uh, per, big production facilities. One, and it's technically our, our headquarters, is in Germany outside of Dusseldorf. Um, that's where our CEO sits. Um, that's primarily a weaving facility. They have, I think, uh, about 60 looms where they weave primarily sailcloth. So the white, when people think of sailcloth, they think of a boat sailing out on blue water with a white sailcloth. That's, that's primarily what they do um, in Germany. It's, it's a, a lot of a very technical weaving and finishing for, for sailcloth and specifically with some other uh, industrial uh, fabrics that they produce there. Um, the other facility is, is in Putnam, Connecticut, where we are primarily laminators. So we take um, films, fabrics, and fibers and laminate them together to make, uh, for sailcloth, uh, generally very, very lightweight, very high strength, a low stretch is, is very important for sailcloth. Uh, so we, we mix and match fibers uh, in different orientations to produce sailcloth there and different technical laminates. And that is where XPAC uh, was born out of, that same, same lamination, same fiber reinforcement technology um, is where we ended up with XPAC. So you all have a really cool interactive core uh, on your website. Is that is the one that you go through on the website? Is that the one that's in Connecticut? Is that the same factory there? Um, that is that that's uh, the facility in Germany. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, super cool. yeah, yeah. They did a nice job with that. There's um, there's a, a montage kind of on the homepage also of different uh, sailing and different uh, weaving and, and lamination. So there's a couple of clips of lamination that would be very similar to what we do uh, in Connecticut. Um, yeah, we're working right now on our kind of our new XPAC website, um, which we're really excited about. And hopefully that'll have some more uh, or be a platform for more kind of behind the scenes uh, footage like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. We enjoyed that. I enjoyed clicking around, just kind of seeing what you all do, uh, especially with the sale closets of it's a big operation. I mean, quite literally, right. It takes up quite a lot of square footage. So it was yeah. kind of fun yeah. uh, to see that and put that together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> you guys are welcome to come up to our facility in Connecticut anytime and check it out. Um, the, the facility in Germany, which if you're ever in Germany and want to check out a really cool place, um, the weaving operation there is, is unbelievable. So um, that, that's a really cool factory too. Uh, I mean, I, as an engineer and kind of with that, I, I love seeing how things get made. Um, so, so that was one of the things when I first uh, saw the DP operation, I was impressed, impressed immediately with it. And um, yeah, if you're ever, um, if you're ever in the area and want to check it out or not, and just fly up when, when we've have COVID behind us, um, no problem. Uh, I mean, I'd like to, I mean, I don't know if we could ever do it, but some sort of um, open house maybe. To, or, or, or like an invite list where we can get uh, people who are really super, super excited about XPAC to see, uh, see how it's done. We would love that. That's, I mean, that's so, that's so deep for DIYers everywhere to, to get down to the bottom of how things are made and why they're made and why they're put together a certain way. That's so, uh, that's very close to home for a lot of us. So we're going to take you up on that one day, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously there's some secret, secret sauce that we can't probably share too publicly, but, but behind the scenes, behind the curtain, um, yeah, you guys can can do a tour, and we we enjoy showing people, uh, you know, what we do, how we do it. Uh, generally, people are generally pretty impressed and walk away uh, knowing about more about what our capabilities are 
and what we what we can do for them um, and that's that's always good from from where I sit yeah I think um, we're gonna have to ask Kyle to take us on a little company field trip when everything looks better so there you go yeah, yeah we'll get him yeah. on that we'll rent like a big one of those large <laughs> buses for all 16 of us and take a there tour but no that would be exciting um so you mentioned a little bit about like applications that Dimension Poly is used for, but I'm curious, um, and now knowing a little bit more about your background, uh, mm -hmm. probably could guess the answer to this, but do you have a favorite application um, that you've seen for Dimension Poly um, textiles? A favorite application? Well, I mean, the sailcloth side, is, <laughs> that's one of my, one of my favorite pastimes. So I guess using, using our fabrics in, in sailing application is, is personally pretty high up there but there are some there are some pretty cool other applications for our technical fabrics that are maybe more exciting because they're a little more exotic um you know products that go into space or products that um you know going to everest going to the top of the the world's highest mountains <clears throat> those are those are exciting um you know when you see when you see x-pac or dp um components in some of the either being worn or used by some of the top athletes in the world. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Awesome. I love the array and the breadth that that has, uh, that the fabric can go. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all of our, we have a pretty, pretty diverse portfolio of uh, other technical fabrics, which is probably probably a little off topic, but um, you know, one of the other big, big industrial markets is, is drum skins for marching drums. So we, we supply probably a majority of, of the, the, the aramid reinforced drum heads for marching drums for colleges and um, high schools and, and that kind of thing. So, so that's another interesting one where uh, completely unrelated to our core business, but one that we also are, are pretty, pretty experienced in at this point and, and can provide a superior product. I really like that. So going I mean, let's take a small tangent off topic. What other maybe random or just other application that people might not know about do you all do at Dimension Polyan? Um, another another big one is uh, lighting fabrics for photography, movie sets, television. Mm. That's a big um, diffusion fabrics, reflective surfaces, that kind of thing, where we're laminating or or finishing very similarly to sailcloth, um, you know, fabric for, for lighting. Um, that's another big big market for us or some other ones. So we're getting into composites a bit with uh, a product called X-Ply Veil, where it takes our X-Ply technology and we're able to um, add composite reinforcement to surfboards and skis and other kind of rigid composites, uh, race cars, um, race car parts, all that kind of stuff. So that's another one that's, um, I don't get to use it all the time, but another one that's exciting for me and, and interesting. Um, that we can, that we have some unique technology that hasn't been seen before in the composites market. So um, it's exciting to introduce that to, to, to the experts in those respective fields. Sure. Thanks for taking, uh, taking us down that tangent. So yeah, what, no, does no, day, no. what does a day, what does a day for Taylor North look like at Dimension Polyan? As someone that's ahead of technical fabrics, um, do you pigeonhole in one particular area, whether it's it's performance fabrics and sailing or outdoor, or are you touching kind of all of these scales that we've just talked about? Yeah, I do everything, really everything but sailcloth. <laughs> I try to try, I do not, not try to, but there are, are guys in the office that are the sailcloth guys and experts 
um, in, in those fabrics. So, so I mainly stay out of sailcloth, but, um, are in, involved with everything else. And my day is, um, you know, kind of equal parts, customer, uh, customer service relationship, building, um, sales, taking orders, processing orders, and then, um, development, working on new things, working on new, new fabrics, um, both customer demand fabrics or someone comes to us with a problem and we solve it or just development and iterations of existing product lines. Um, so yeah, so where I sit, uh, pre pre COVID was, you know, a hundred yards away from our, our laminators and, um, production equipment. So it's, it's super easy to go check on things, see things as it's happening, um, and develop and iterate quickly. Um, that's, I think that's one of the, the benefits we have, um, manufacturing, uh, where we manufacture is that we have a very close contact with our primary production equipment and, and staff and team there. So, um, we can always be checking in on, on different projects at different stages along the way. So you're in a way you're pretty hands-on with the, with the production. It doesn't take you months or weeks to go find that because you're next door to the people that are producing things that you're designing. Is that correct in saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you know, manufacturing schedule dependent. We can, we can um, develop a new, new product on paper on Monday and have it finished in our hands on Friday. That's awesome. That's a, uh, that's fast. I mean, <laughs> for some of the people that make some of our own stuff, that is a, a lightning turnaround speed. I feel like that's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's of course an ideal circumstance where we sure. have to do it, but, um, but certainly something that we do, we can, we can have it, um, the details ironed out, you know, literally on Monday, have it, have it be produced Tuesday, Wednesday and have it finished by the end of the week. So, and then, and then doing the next iteration the next week. Um, we also have a, a really nice lab, um, for testing and, and QA, QC. So we can test our theory, you know, we can build something and then throw it in the lab and, and see if it performs how we expect and, yeah. and have the results that we want. Can you share a little bit more color um, behind the process of testing fabric? So we have, we have a, a lab that's equipped with, you know, um, great scales for weight. We have a, a Zwick tester, which is a, ten, a, a tensile extension tester. So that tests um, stretch, which, which for sailcloth is critical. Um, and, and it can do tensile tests, tear tests, peel tests. Um, we have a hydrostatic pressure tester. We have, um, a DWR a test setup for DWR testing, um, color scan for color matching and, and confirmation, um, a UV chamber, humidity chamber, um, air permeability. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's it's a fully <laughs> it's a fully kitted out lab. So after a fabric is developed, like all the tests that you just mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of things happening there. How long does that process take? Uh, like another week? Is it pretty fast? Are they also being tested for like repeated use? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we test, we inspect and test every lot as it's finished. So, so as it's being inspected, every yard is, is looked at by somebody as it goes through our inspection station and as it's being inspected, um, samples are, are taken off and, the lab is right next door. So it goes into the lab. And um, again, depending on the, the queue in the, the lab, it can be, we have a full, pretty full test report in, in an hour or two. Um, wow. 
So, so yeah, the only one we send out for like certified, certified testing is um, abrasion testing, which we don't have in house at the moment, but, but for XPAC, that's one that we, we'd send out to be tested and that turnaround's about to a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, otherwise we can get a, a quick check in, on a, essentially a confirmation on the quality of existing products or a feel for if that new fabric is, is hitting the, the targets that we want um, immediately, pretty much. So I joined the, the textile industry last year uh, with mm -hmm. Ripstop by the Roll. And the, the first interpretation that I had of XPAC was this is a sailcloth that turned into an outdoor material. How would you explain the evolution of dimension poly going from sailcloths to what you now have as XPAC? Is that a completely different mm -hmm. construction? Is it a very similar uh, kind of composite makeup that that produced XPAC? What are the differences between your sailcloths and what is now your outdoor materials? Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a good question. A lot of people think that XPAC is sailcloth. Um, it's it's not sailcloth. It's it's a purpose built and designed backpack pack fabric. So, but but it use XPAC uses the same sailcloth lamination technologies and fiber placement that our sailcloth does, but it is specifically designed for uh, backpacking. Um, it grew out of kind of just um, the natural kind of diversification of the dimension polyant business and was kind of a, a logical next step from our sailcloth business, kind of that recreational enthusiast um, high-end adventure pack um, material is where it started with, with literal um, expeditions up, up Everest. So I'm uh, not sure the exact synthesis of that, that spark where, where, where it happened. Um, my guess would be that that dimension was, was approached to do a special project and it quickly evolved into a purpose-built um, pack fabric. That's um, really good to know. I think it helps yeah. clear up everybody's mindset in terms of, again, like I said, I thought about it as like, oh, this is a, a sale cloth. People are like, oh, this would make a, a sweet backpack fabric as well. Um, so that, yeah, that no, it, it, as sailcloth generally is, is, would be too stiff, um, way overbuilt and way too expensive for, for pack fabric. Um, generally it, it, it's just overkill on a bunch of different levels. Um, uh, likewise XPAC would not make a good sailcloth. Um, but, 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 but taking the, what we know from sailcloth and taking what I like to say is we, we take the different components of X pack or we're able to with a laminate and exploit each individual layer to do exactly what it wants for us. So it's a very efficient, um, it's a very efficient way to, to make a, a construction. So we have a, you know, a face fabric that provides the abrasion resistance and kind of durability that we want. We have the fiber, you know, real fiber reinforcement that adds the, the strength, the bias stability, the ripstop, um, that that we need for a pack fabric and then we have a film uh for wa complete waterproofness these fabrics are are waterproof to 200 psi because of the the, the mid film that's in there and alone that mid film wouldn't be able to support the pressure of water like that but but it, with the fabric in conjunction with the film you get a super incredibly high um water waterproofness rating it you know, that, that's what our hydrostatic pressure tester is for. You can bring it up to, to 200 PSI and let it sit there and no water gets through, um, which, which is different than water repellency. So um, anyway, uh, 
so yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a synthesis of, of um, a, a purpose-built fabric using sailcloth technology, but, it, but it's fully uh, thought about as a, a purpose-built fabric for, for backpacks. For someone that doesn't know what 200 PSI means, what would you say, uh, for someone that has no idea, how, how amazing of a rating is 200 PSI for a fabric? Uh, it's very, very good. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd compare it to like a thick rubber in terms of uh, okay. what it can handle, but but it's less stretchy than a rubber, so it'd probably yeah. be even better. Um, and probably lighter. <laughs> and lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, for coming out of sailcloth, the focus really is with XPAC has always been on weight and what we can do to, to shed the, the, the weight where, where we can. Um, and, and sometimes we, we still think about that at, at the forefront, um, in terms of weight savings and, and of course, durability, um, stretch is not so important, um, for XPAC on the scale that we're talking about with sailcloth. I mean, sailcloth, we're talking about, uh, the difference between hundreds of, of an inch of stretch with, you know, hundreds of pounds of load per, per inch. So, um, the scale is a little bit different for, for X-Pack. And if X-Pack stretches a little bit over the course of its life, um, it's not a total detriment to, to the user. Sure. So a process that a lot of people that are listening to us are pretty familiar with is um, Dyneema or the UHMWPE process, specifically with the DCF fabrics of having you know, two polyester layers laminated with the Dyneema fiber in between. What does your X-Pack layering process construction, could you give us, is there like a simple breakdown of these are the layers that are used to put together uh, the X-Pack? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, the face fabric, it's normally, it's a nylon or a polyester, mostly and historically X-Pack has been poly, uh, nylon on the face, sorry, nylon face. Um, underneath that face, we have our X-Ply fiber reinforcement, which is kind of the diamond grid pattern that, that you see. Uh, we, are able to lay that right in as we laminate um, the fabric. So it's not like a pre-made part that just gets laminated together. That fiber reinforcement is, is laid in right at the point of lamination. Um, and we have some interesting capabilities with that um, where we can do custom angles and orientations uh, if there's a specific customer demand uh, for, for X-Pack. The standard version, it's a 22 degree X-ply angle, which mm -hmm. provides uh, the, the best bias uh, stability, um, in, in our opinion, uh, for that. And then underneath that X-ply, there's a, a thin PET film, and that gives you us our extreme uh, water resistance. And then depending on the style of X-Pack, there's either that film is, is the backing or there's a, a 50 denier taffeta, a polyester taffeta on the back. So the VX, VX21, which is uh, our most popular uh, product and probably your most popular product too, um, that has the, the taffeta on the back. Uh, when you get up into higher denier face fabrics like the X50 or the X51, uh, we don't need that taffeta on the back for stitch holding any longer. So we, we strip out that, um, that component. That's why you see um, most of the, the heavier duty face fabrics have, just have the film backing while the lighter denier face fabrics have the taffeta backing for that extra stitch holding. Okay. So for the up to the 21, so the seven and the 15 have set a like a three layer system. And then the, oh no, those have the taffeta and the bigger ones don't yeah. have that. Yeah. So we, we consider the, the ones with the taffeta four layer. So you have the face okay. fabric, the yeah. X ply, the film and the backing, the, the taffeta backing, the, gotcha. uh, 
the X, X series, uh, three layer construction. So face fabric, X ply film backing. Gotcha. That's really good to know. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're just about to introduce a, um, a new website, like I mentioned, um, and we're super excited about that. And with that, we're going to reorganize our, our product line a little bit, all the same products, but organized a little bit differently. And I think we're leaning towards calling them, you know, three layer laminates, four layer laminates, um, X series and VX series respectively. Um, that, I think, I think most people in the outdoor world have a pretty good idea when it comes to laminates, the, the layer system and, um, how three layers might compare to four layers and, and all that kind of thing. So we'll probably go with that nomenclature, um, going forward, forward, it's a little easier to understand than um, VX series or X series and trying to explain people that the V means it has taffeta back um, or as three layer and four layer, I think will be, be better perhaps. Yeah. You kind of just hit on this, but um, we we're curious to know what's next in the product line for technical fabrics at Dimension Polyant. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot. <laughs> a lot on the uh, a lot going on. So um, obviously, recycled um, content fiber uh, is is on the the probably the, the forefront. We were running um, new production this week of what we're calling the RX fabric for for recycled, um, and that's being made with a reprieve post consumer recycled polyester, and that's sourced the fiber sourced in the U.S. It's woven uh, in the U.S. and then laminated in the U.S. So it's a full domestic. Wow. Uh, Production. Um, and then the theory being at the end of its life, it'll also be recyclable. So we're, we're really excited with that, that uh, RX uh, product line that'll be available in a 150 denier, which is kind of like the, uh, the VX07, VX15, um, and then um, a 300 denier, so RX30, and then a 300 by 600 denier uh, polyester. So um, that kind of roughly correlates with that, you know, lightweight, medium weight with a 300 denier, kind of similar to the VX21, and then a, a heavier, um, kind of like a X50 type weight, um, but all, but all polyester. So, so we're excited about that. That that um, early yardage is is available now, um, and then we'll get really into stocking stocking yardage in the next uh, few months. Um, other things are are. Um, I'm calling it performance natural fiber. So we're working on trying to find some some real natural fibers that actually have a good performance and handling, um, whether it be hemp or, or flax or um, whatever else might be out there. We have our X10 cotton and organic cotton lines. So those are, those are great also. Um, if you guys are familiar with the X10, that's a really sweet fabric. Uh, that's one that, that I like a lot. It's a kind of classic exterior with a, a tech interior and, and really great performance. Um, so that, that's a cool one. It's a cool one also. Um, and then uh, I've been playing with recently different fiber reinforcements, whether it be um, like we have our, our X50 tactical line, we're calling it for um, first responders and military and, and that kind of thing. But that has a uh, 400 denier Aramid X-ply. So instead of a polyester, we have Aramid X-ply. It's a gold Aramid, so it looks it looks pretty cool against the either the blacks or the gray, the kind of the tactical colors, and where we get um, a lot better strength out of that fiber um, in a smaller bundle, so abrasion and test is better. Um, so we're excited about that too. And then on that same kind of fiber reinforcement line, <clears throat> we've been playing with some uh, grid 
scrim reinforcements, which would be like a, a 090 box grid. That would be the fiber reinforcement also. So trying those out too. Um, it's, it's easy uh, from my side and from my desk, it's easy to develop all these products. And, um, but at the end of the day, you actually have to sell it too. So, so it's about uh, introducing these at the, the right times and um, with the right partners to, to do that. So, uh, but, but that's fun. Um, and, and kind of going back to the sailcloth, we're taking these existing technologies that we have in sailcloth and applying them to, to XPAC, whether it be different fibers or different orientations of those fibers. Um, it's that that's fun to do and, and exciting to the market also. I think I speak for a, a lot of people here when I say that I didn't know that you all did this much, right? We knew that you had technical fabrics, sailcloths, you know, assuming there's a couple other things, but yeah, yep. I didn't realize you guys branched out in this many areas. <laughs> yeah, we, we um, I think we do, I think it's at least eight or 900 different styles a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think of that probably 600 are custom for, for different customers. And then, you know, the standard standard playbook is a few hundred items between sailcloth and technical fabrics, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of different stuff. That is a lot. One thing I want to yeah. clarify really quick, or just get a little more insight on um, while we have a, a professional here, could you, in uh, in layman's terms, explain why the aramid might be different than a polyester, or what the benefits of an aramid fiber there would be. Yeah, and aramid fiber it's a it's a you know completely different um, chemistry than than a polyester, um, and you get better uh, stretch properties. It's a it's a higher higher tensile strength, so it's stronger fiber. It's lower stretch um, compared to polyester. So what you're able to do is you're able to downsize the size of that fiber because it's so much stronger on a baseline. Uh, you're able to make that fiber actually smaller, get better performance than the polyester um, and, and have better uh, stretch properties as well. So yeah, there's, there's, you know, we were in a, in a somewhat unique situation to use all sorts of different fiber chemistries. We can use polyesters, aramids, uh, we touched on the ultra high molecular polyethylenes, um, carbon fibers. We can use all these different fibers in our process and make laminates uh, using them to fit whatever performance char characteristics uh, you might need. So um, yeah, e each one of those fiber families has different characteristics that go with it. Um, obviously with the performance benefits of an aramid, it's much more expensive than a polyester. Um, similar to like an ultra PE where you might have the ultimate strength of an aramid or similar to an aramid. Um, you, you have different, different UV properties. Like an aramid's not going to be as good in UV as an ultra PE. Um, uh, ultra PE is going to stretch more than a, an aramid. So there's, there's trade-offs all across the board. Um, carbon fiber, obviously super low stretch, but doesn't like bending very much. So, um, <laughs> so there's all these, these pros and cons to all these different fibers and, um, and you can mix and match to, to get what the, the performance or the characters, characteristics that you want. So this is an unprompted question, but it came, it came to mind as you were talking about that there. Uh, so taking the outdoor application of XPAC as an example here, when you're faced with a particular fabric or when somebody says we want a, a good backpack fabric, do you, do you set a list of priorities and you choose your, your fiber makeup 
based on those priorities or like, why would you, why'd you choose a polyester for the X-Pac instead of an Aramid? Um, is the Aramid overkill for the pack fabric or how do you choose what, uh, what fiber makeups you're going to use to make that a particular fabric? Yeah. Yeah, to totally. Um, and, and we have a super diverse range of, of customers um, from kind of fashion, like high-end streetwear fashion type bags and pouches in Japan to, to expeditions, um, to, to hunting and, and all of those different applications might call for, for different things. Some, some guys want, um, you know, a, a absolute bomber fabric, something that they're going to make a duffel bag out of it, haul all their stuff to ba base camp. And it, it, there's, there's no, no chance for failure with it. Um, other times it's trying to make a really fashionable pack at the right price point. Um, so you have to look at the, the feasibility of making something that um, that can hit the right price point for that product at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, all those factors kind of come, come into play and um, you can, you can pick and choose what to, what you might want. Um, we, we think the, the Aramid X ply is particularly interesting for the, um, the tactical market um, because of the advantages and it's, it's slightly more expensive, but I think the performance uh, the value in performance is, is very good. Yeah, that makes sense. That's uh, it's a lot of options too that you have. <laughs> kind of again, starting from the base layer, that's is pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, ninety nine percent of our ninety, maybe ninety five now, um, is the standard X ply polyester X ply, which which does a great job. Um, it works works well, um, and and performs well too. It's just there, there's there's the next step if you want to step up into um, different fiber reinforcement. I can, I can vouch for that. I made this last night out of your 07. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so uh, part of the questions that we had for you here, Taylor, were user generated. So we pulled our Instagram following, um, which are people yeah, that cool. use a ton of 07, 15 and 21. They're super excited. So we have a handful of questions from them. The first one from NTEC Racing is uh, how are the environmental impacts considered at Dimension Poly or maybe specifically for XPAC? Yeah, so um, being you know, an office of, of sailors and people who like being outdoors, obviously environmental impact is, is super high on our list. Um, in terms of the, the plant emissions, we have a very, very um, high-tech uh, air handling system that, that so we don't release any emissions in the atmosphere. Um, we source all of our electricity from renewable sources. And this year we're... Um, very quickly working towards having VX21 as the first one be, be completely carbon neutral. So we'll have a certified carbon neutral um, XPAC product line, and, and that'll expand out uh, throughout the, the entire DP portfolio. So yeah, it's a, it's a tight top, uh, top on our list. Um, and I think when you guys come up and visit, um, you'll see, I think you'll be impressed by the, <laughs> the uh, our facility and, and what we go, go through to, to make sure there's, as little impact as possible. I love that. I know that that's just really important, just the environmental impact, especially in the textile industry. So it is something that people uh, who are interested in that are looking for, you know, they just want to know that yeah. they're supporting mother earth. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, we're, we're um, going more and more into recycled and natural fibers. Um, it's, it's just a matter of finding those, recycled uh, well fabrics or films that also meet our performance requirements. Um, 
we don't want to compromise the integrity of our products um, just to jump in at the first wave of some new product. So, so we go through and test, test everything to make sure it's still up to our performance specs before we would, um, you know, fully release it. That makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what you guys come up with as far as a natural fiber. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think for the next question, I think this is actually a Jameson question. <laughs> Not to call you out, but he's been doing some tests on XPAC this week and um, I guess noticing XPAC curling. So we want to know why does XPAC curl up after time? Yeah, that's, um, it's a phenomena. I wouldn't say it's time dependent. I would say it's environmental, more environmentally dependent because we're mating two dissimilar materials together. So nylon and polyesters in, in most cases, um, nylon has some propensity to absorb water and as it does absorb water it expands and it expands mm. like a lot <laughs> a lot when it when, when you're looking at a, a small scale and because of that growth or shrinkage as it dries out you can get a curl so um i mean you could notice certainly that if you had extreme dry conditions the fabric might start to curl one way and in humid conditions might actually curl the other way and other days lay flat. So that's something that is somewhat inherent to a hybrid type of fabric. When, especially when you have some things mated that closely together and you see, you see this, um, that same theory in practice and like some thermometers that have dissimilar metals that are mated together and they will bend based on uh, the expansion of those different dissimilar metals and you can have very accurate temperature readings for instance or, or different other things like that so um yeah that's one thing that's somehow linked to the construction method um of the fabric but but more environmental env environmentally related than time related i'm kind of laughing at myself here because uh it makes a lot of sense why the swatch the five inch swatch of x-pack that i had uh wouldn't flatten out when i put a heavy book on it for a couple of days <laughs> yeah oh it's no yeah it's 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 phys, it's it's the physical um internal forces of the yeah. fabric that are, that are doing that, that heavy book was nowhere heavy enough or dry enough to work that out <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So part of our test this week, um, one of the videos that we made was we, uh, a lot of questions that we get, we probably got three, four, five questions from uh, people asking, how do I seal X-Pack? Again, people are used to um, the Dyneema tape kind of being this really easy seam sealing method. So we did a test based on these questions where we put um, silicone seam sealer, some of the gel on one of the X-Pack dry bags, mm -hmm. and then we put DCF tape on the other. Um, so that was kind of part of our, our test, just for fun to see what happens. Does Dimension Polyan, or do you have a particular recommendation for the best way to seal a finished product of XPAC? Yeah, we have, I mean, there are two different two different ways. You have a, like a PSA stick-on film tape, which we sell. And then we're working with one of our partners on a, a heat activated, mm -hmm. dedicated uh, seam seal tape, which um, could be, could be as simple as ironing it on for the, the guys at home that are making their own bags or some a little more advanced equipment for seam sealing um, for like an industrial purpose. But yeah, we're still working on um, just rolling out, rolling that, that heat activated seam seal tape out um, and kind of figuring out the sales channels for that tape. But um, 
yeah, that's something that I've, I've been, been working on also. I got to get on Kyle. Cause you, I just want to make sure I heard you right. You guys do have a PSA that does work that you guys sell. Is that correct? Correct. Oh man, we're getting on, we're getting on that. Let's make that for a note for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been, that has been the most asked question. Um, people just curious of, I mean, everyone, especially like backpacking gear and any outdoor gear, whether it's a bike bag or whatever, they want to uh, make sure that it's hundred percent water resistant. So they wanted, yeah, just more specific information. And it's great to know straight from the source <laughs> what the answer is. Yeah, we're, we're bonding to, um, in both cases, either polyester film or polyester fabric. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not uh, super tricky when it comes to, to figuring that part out. It, what is crazy is you can go down rabbit holes with adhesives and, and look at all these different item numbers that like 3M has or, or other, um, and, and just get completely lost in it. But yeah, we have a PSA that we do um, in-house for, for sale making, um, for, for sale reinforcements and patching where uh, we know that works um, and we can, we make that on a, a film and then make it into tapes. So yeah, we, we can uh, definitely look you guys up. Perfect. My order's going in tomorrow. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so this question comes from Hunter's Trip, and he wants to know, will you see anything smaller than VX07? Yeah, we have, um, we have VX03. So that's a 30 denier nylon that we weave in Germany. So it's, um, it's a completely DP product there, um, which is, which, so it's VX07's little sister. Um, <laughs> and for, for some reason, it's not as popular as VX07. It's from our end, kind of a slow mover. Um, it does save a little bit of weight uh, compared to VX07. It's, I think it's very nice, very nice fabric. Um, so happy, happy to have that available um, as, as demand uh, needs. I mean, uh, there's, there's some talk of maybe discontinuing that one just because it isn't very popular, but I think it's important to have a lightweight option. And, and I have a couple other, couple of these other development projects that I've been touching on that do utilize a, a 30 denier nylon. Um, also with some other, some different fiber reinforcements for kind of that um, ultralight, super strong fabric. Um, so, so my ideas with these new uh, potential higher tech fiber reinforcement is to mate it with as light a face fabric as possible. Uh, that that's kind of my, my intent with those. So we might see that sometime soon is in that, um, a new different fiber reinforcement with a, a light, light face fabric. I'm putting you on the spot here, Taylor, the, if I remember correctly, the VX07 is four ounces and change. Do you know what the ounces per square yard of the VX03 would be or, or thereabout? Uh, it's in the threes, three ounces. If, okay. Uh, I I'm admittedly don't have a good memory for me memorizing. <laughs> Actually didn't know that there was a lighter version of the VX07. So that's new to me. And I'm sure people will be interested in trying to figure out a way to get that because I can already think of things that I would definitely want to test and make out of that VXO3. So um, yeah, yeah, interesting. A VXO3 is, um, is 142 grams. A VXO7 is 162. So 20 grams. So almost, um, you know, six tenths of an ounce difference. Sure, sure. That makes sense. 
Thanks for that. Yeah. I know I put you, put you on the no, spot. No, Thanks for finding no, no. Um, Yeah, so, so, so that's a good one. It's available in black and um, a brindle, which is kind of like a tan gray brown color. So yeah, black. It's one of those things. Any color you want, if it, as long as it's black. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a kind of the, these are two separate questions, but I thought they went, uh, they coincided really well. So uh, I'm going to give you both questions and I'll kind of let you, you take the answer as you see fit. Um, many, a couple of people asked have, is there going to be a hybrid uh, XPAC UHMWP setup? And then kind of the secondary question to that is, is Kyle, the owner here at Ripside by the Roll asked, <laughs> would there be any significant performance advantage to using a different yarn for the XPLY, for example, a UHMWPE or a Spectra? Um, so take that as you wish. I know they're kind of, they're similar questions, but what would that, that hybrid look like? Or have you guys thought about that? Um, I, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. Something that's totally possible. Uh, the DCF, a DCF XPAC hybrid. Um, yeah, totally, totally be interesting with the X-Pack face and, um, X-Ply fiber reinforcement with a, with a DCF backing. That'd be a, a pretty, pretty strong fabric and you'd get some, some great durability and, and great strength properties out of it. Certainly. Um, we just haven't had the, the demand for, for that one. Uh, if, if somebody comes to us and say, let's, let's fire up the machine and make it happen. We, we can certainly do that. Um, and then for using uh, Ultra P, either Dyneema, Spectra, or, or, or anything else as an X-Ply, uh, it's something that we've done before. Um, it, it adds great strength properties. The, the Ultra P is light, so there's not a weight penalty to the added strength. Um, it's, it's super durable. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great. The only trick is sometimes cutting it. Um, and we run into that with some some manufacturers that are set up a particular way to cut um, large quantities of pieces. And, and uh, there's just uh, different setups you need to, to cut that sometimes. And uh, the weight penalty is not a problem, but the, the price penalty might be. Yeah, there, it's um, yeah, there, there's some, some price increase, but, but, um, but not, not huge. Not, not too big because in terms of, you know, we buy this by the pound and when you have an X ply, um, the amount of weight per yard is, is relatively low. So, um, of mm -hmm. course, of course, compared to, to a polyester, it might be 10 times more expensive, but, but that percentage is, is, is low. Sure. And, and again, it's one, it's one of those things where I think the, um, the performance value is very good. Yeah, definitely. I could see that being true. So it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but but the the jump in um, performance is much higher than any price price difference. So this next question is from Jay Conrad Ventures, and he wants to know if the X in the pattern is necessary, and that he heard that it's just for show. It's it's not just for show. It's it's real. It's real fiber <laughs> reinforcement, and it it certainly has um, performance enhancement enhancing benefits um where we can easily show that on uh on our test reports um it, it does act as a, a very large ripstop it does add um a lot of stability uh, off-axis stability and and um yeah we, we see you know walking around the, the big trade shows we'll see uh somebody who's printed an x pattern on top of a woven nylon uh, it's exactly the same mm. pattern as, as X-Pack. So we see, so we see that a lot um, or, or something that's a weave pattern that looks like an X-Ply, but it's not an X-Ply. It's just 
a weave pattern. So um, yeah, the, the X ply is real. It's both both an actual fiber <laughs> and and the real performance benefits of it for sure. At the end, it looks good. <laughs> and it looks good. It does look good. Um, one thing that I have a question about that I know other people I've read about um, asking on the interwebs is the orientation of the X. Does that matter? Does that change anything with the strength, mm -hmm. with the warp or the weft? Um, or is it fine, whichever way you want to orient your fabric for your project? It, it is oriented and that's that 22 and a half degrees orientation off the warp. So I would say that you'd get the most benefit out of um, out of X pack orienting the panel to the to the warp. Uh, if you have a, if you, I guess if you have a backpack and you you orient, I guess you can't see that. Uh, if you if you are orient orient the the long panel um, with the warp, that would make more sense to me, and you'd see more performance gain out of the X pie orienting um, the fabric like that. Can you, Jameson, hold up your bag so we can get a visual just so in case? The diamond is, is vertical or would this be the wrong way? Uh, depending how you think the load might might carry on that. <laughs> like if you have the strap, if you have the strap on that, you'd probably want it oriented on the warp. Um, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I, I was thinking more kind of um, like expedition style or through hiking packs where I think it, it would make a more difference than a, a pouch perhaps it's where you have actual load load uh load carrying requirements and performance sure um so this question is from pop frock and it is alluding to the aging effect of x-pack does it stretch at all over time uh what do you see happen as, as time goes on with a couple year old piece or, or product of x-pack yeah it'll it'll stretch and you'll see this um you'll see actually see the, the performance of the X-ply fiber in, in packs that have been worn a little bit. You'll see the X-ply start to stand proud a little bit compared to the, the nylon around it. Um, and you actually see that X-ply pattern more with a pack that's kind of broken in or been used. And that's the nylon stretching more than the, the polyester X-ply. Um, so yeah, you will see a little bit of stretch like that. In terms of like significant stretch, you're, you're not gonna see anything noticeable but but that effect um again it's on on this super small fabric scale um that if you get a little bit of stretch between those x-ply fibers it just makes x-ply more more pronounced uh, so you do see that sometimes or you see that in in um fabrics that have been overstressed or or just been carrying heavy loads um whether it's a hunting pack or something like that where it's really loaded up you will see that gotcha yeah. And, and when we talk about stretch, when, when we talk about stretch in the office, um, going back to sailcloth, you know, our, our stretch, uh, our point of reference for stretch is, is on a entirely different scale than what most people talk about. We're talking thousandths of an inch, hundredths of an inch, um, th that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, X-Pac will stretch a little bit more than a sailcloth, but in terms of uh, compared to a, just a coated uh, nylon, it'll stretch much, much less. Uh, and that's because that um, the polyester film is, is very stable in comparison and the X-ply. So you have a, a double threat there for, for fabric stability. Uh, kind of comparison to that, a lot of people have seen other fabrics almost take on a shrink, a shrinkage in a way. Yep. Um, with it being a laminate, do you see that at all X, with X-Pack? 
Um, <clears throat> I, uh, not so much as other fabrics, certainly not. Certainly not. Yeah. I, I know, I know when I was working uh, as a sail maker, I know that using um, some other laminates that aren't X-Pack, they would shrink significantly so that you'd actually oversize oversize your panels to get the sail to be the right size at the end of the day after, after handling it. Um, so no, we don't see th that kind of extreme shrink uh, with X-Pack. Uh, this next question, my last question from the users um, is from the real Jay Youngs and he wants to know kind of the opposite of the other question you answered for us, but what is the highest denier of X-Pack that you produce? The, the highest standard item is um, X-51 which is a 500 by 1,000 denier Cordura nylon. Um, so that, one, that one's pretty, that's pretty beefy. I know a lot of people use, use 1,000 denier. Um, I think the X51 is, is certainly an analog for that. Do anything a 1,000 denier would. Um, you know, I always say that X-Pack punches above its weight class. So you have a 500 denier fabric that through the lamination process um, then behaves more like a, an eight, 840 or 1,000 denier construction just from that um, stability that we give the fabric with the lamination. Um, so so that's, that's the highest standard product we've done. We've done higher uh, for, for customers. Um, we did an 840 denier last year for, for a customer and that looked beautiful, looked beautiful. Um, you, you might notice with the X10, that's another one that's pretty interesting. Um, in that it punches above its weight class is that you might make a tote bag out of it and look at it. And then when you go to pick it up, you'll pick it up expecting it to be much heavier than it actually is. Um, mm. And that's a pretty, that's pretty cool when that, when that happens, I think. Uh, and, and that happens for most X-Pack products that we see is that the, the form stability that it has from lamination, um, you know, has, it stands up under its own weight versus a more traditional or, or commodity type of, nylon fabric that that might be softer um, and that provides i think a lot of benefit to the the end user in reduction in weight and just in a it's nice to have a fabric that stands up um, under its own weight sometimes definitely that is it makes the making process a lot easier <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so alex turns the page has a pretty solid question here um, mm -hmm. i'm going to say this as as well as i can without 100% understanding everything that he's asking <laughs> Um, so are ET30 and ET70 laminates like the VX07 or is it a uh, silicon PU coated? Yeah, the, um, the ET30 and ET70 were was another industrial project that, that had sister product related products in, in sailcloth. ET30 and ET70 were, um, originally designed to be high altitude, like base camp tent fabrics. So they have um, extremely good environmental stability, environmental stability and UV resistance. Um, the hand of them, the soft hand um, and hand feel is, is, and, and weight is, is very interesting to, to pack makers. Um, though it's, a, it's kind of soft and slinky, I'm not sure. I, I don't make bags myself, but I imagine it would be pretty hard to, to make, to sew it together. Um, but yeah, those are, those are coated nylons. Um, they're not laminates. Gotcha. And then he had a second tier. Is TX07 weldable? Yeah. So TX07 is a, a kind of the, I'm not going to say the black sheep of the, the X-Pack family. 
<laughs> it's been it's been through a lot of iterations over the over the um, over the years. That also is a tent was originally for a tent fabric. I think that's what the T stands for originally. Okay. And um, it, at certain times it was a weldable fabric, and at certain times it was a fire retardant fabric. So um, so there are a couple different iterations there, and and I think it, it was one of the X pack styles that was. Uh, the most promising for, for welding. Uh, pe people do ask us about welding X-Pac a lot. Um, to, to us in our office, it's obviously been a popular way to manufacture packs over the past few years. Um, and it's a, a pretty, pretty clever way to do it. Um, but for us, where we're looking at weight and performance, you end up having to add a whole lot of weight and coating where you aren't going to ever seam seal the the pack together. So it's, it's a huge weight penalty for, um, elegant manufacturing and I mean, elegant, I use elegant manufacturing, but, but I mean, I think some nice uh, stitching is, is pretty elegant too. Um, <laughs> I, I always go back to stitching being a, a really, really great way to manufacture things on a hold. It's cheap, fast, and, uh, you can see if it worked or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because it has been a, a kind of a hot point. You know, we ourselves released a, a TPU coated fabric last fall um, that yep. kind of was boasted a, a weldable uh, quality, um, and that's I think it's a hot topic on people's minds to be able to not have to stitch it. So I'm kind of glad you brought it up. Just an interesting piece to take away. Thanks for taking that one. Yeah, no, it's certainly certainly a clever way clever way to make things, but um, but but in my mind, it would be, it's wasted weight that you end up carrying around just because you, you wanted to, to weld it, to, to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor, your time here has been incredibly appreciated. You've handled all these questions very well um, with a ton of information. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with uh, us and to, to share the, your insight with our listeners. Yeah, no problem. Again, thanks for the invite. Great to, great to talk to you guys. It's been fun. And, um, definitely plan that field trip up to Connecticut sometime, maybe, maybe later this summer after COVID uh, calms down, we'd, we'd love to have you and show you around and, and talk more. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be talking again soon, Taylor. Thank you. All right, guys, take it easy. Thanks Taylor. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. This podcast is a wrap, but there's always more content for you to enjoy. Yeah, every week we try to deliver with some videos, some blogs, and some graphics. So make sure you check that out, especially to see um, needle size and thread recommendations for making with XPAC. Yeah, follow us anywhere at Ripstop by the Roll. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. As well as this week, we're giving away free XPAC. That is right, free fabric. So go check out our latest Instagram post for details. Yeah, and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and rate us. Um, we want to know. We want to make it better, even if you don't like us. Yeah, if you don't like us, then that's okay. Maybe you're not into cool stuff like <laughs> fiber technology and fa fabrics and packs, you know, the fun things. Right. Anyway, so <laughs> this podcast is for you, the people um, of DIY and the makers. So we want to hear you. Absolutely. Until next time, make good gear and drink good beer. Bye, everyone. Bye.